It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Now we got a bunch of podcasts, already two Ross Tucker football podcasts this week. We'll have another one tomorrow morning with Greg Cosell, Thursday morning. A lot to talk about with Greg, including the tight ends in the draft, but I got a lot of free agent questions for Greg and some of these quarterbacks and where they fit. You can check me out on social. I really appreciate when you do. At Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Love growing those accounts on Instagram and Twitter as well. The star of this show, Joe Dolan, the number one ranked fantasy analyst in the galaxy over the last seven years. I think he won the award for the previous five years like two years ago, so I'm just continuing that same award. So uh, seven uh, years? I don't think we're legally bound to saying uh, to uh, to anything, uh, Ross, but uh, yeah, hey, I'll, well, I'll take well, it, I'll take it. What's the worst thing that can happen? Someone can disagree, and I'll be like, oh yeah, where's your proof? Because there is no proof anybody's better than Joe. There is proof that Joe was the best over a five-year period, and I still have those articles and the images from those articles on my phone let me see what your proof is, doubter person, whoever you fictitiously are. He is at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter. You know why? Because he's the fantasy gangster. He is the man, and he's the man of all that he oversees over at fantasypoints.com, where you must, I repeat, must use the code FEAST22. 22, 22 FEAST, Ross. What? 22 feast put the 22 oh, first oh, oh, oh. put the 22 first yeah you sure i am sure of that okay i thought you said feast 22 last week yeah, 20, 22 well, feast try, <laughs> let's put it this way now you're creeping this is like the bernstein bears thing ross uh like the the mandela effect where like people people could have sworn that bernstein bears was spelled differently than it is um, now you're putting doubt into my head. So here's the deal. Try both of them. One of them will work, but I'm pretty sure it's 22 feet. So here's what I would say. 22 feast to use that one. If Joe says it works, I trust him. Here's what's pretty crazy. Everything going on in the NFL. I mean, last week, Joe and I talked about the big Russell Wilson news the Aaron Rodgers news this week. There's a whole lot more we have to react to in real time. By the way, free agency technically hasn't even started yet, which is hilarious. We're recording this 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. But there's a lot of big moves. Certainly the quarterback stuff we should dive into, Joe, uh, because that probably impacts the most amount of players. And then we should also, of course, Maybe just get into the running backs because there hasn't been a whole lot of running back movement. Last week, we touched on the moves that have been made to that point with the franchise tags and Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, etc. A lot of tight end franchise tags. I think the first big move after we spoke last week that's extremely relevant has to do with Carson Wentz being traded from 
Indianapolis to Washington. Can't say I totally understand what Washington's doing, Mm -hmm. but they didn't ask me. They're doing it. So I guess that's first, Joe. We need some answers as to (laughs) what exactly it means for people like Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And I guess what it means for the Colts skill guys, but how do you know they we don't even know who their quarterback is? Yeah, let, let's we have half an hour off, so we got a the Colts skill guys. By the way, the Colts just traded for Yannick Ngakwe, so it seems like the Colts are going for it, regardless of the fact that they don't really have a starting caliber quarterback on their roster right now. So I mean, but heck, by the time you listen to this podcast, they might have made a move for Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever. But let's get down to the Durs. The, the commanders, they have traded for Washington, uh, for Carson Wentz. Ross, I, I'm, I'm going to analyze this, obviously, from a fantasy perspective. But I think if you're a, a commanders fan and you're skeptical of this move, you have every single right to be. Basically, two teams in a row have given up on Carson Wentz essentially for locker room issues. Um, and now obviously he played far better in 2021 with the Colts than he did in 2020 with the Eagles when he was statistically at or near the bottom of basically any relevant category in the NFL. That was not the case in 2021. You know, you look at the touchdown to interception ratio, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and you're like, man, those numbers look pretty good. But I don't know if the eye test ever perfectly aligned with the numbers for Wentz there in Indianapolis. Now, he cleaned up the turnovers, but in some really bad spots, he made as dumb a plays as he's made consistently. But that's not the biggest concern for me. The biggest concern is you go to Indianapolis, where Wentz essentially has his hand-picked mentor to fix him and get him back to that 2017 MVP form and and all that stuff. And Frank Reich had to come out and apologize to Jim Ursay for sticking his neck out for this trade. That's what Zach Kiefer, the athletic reported that Reich apologized to Ursay and Ballard for vouching for this trade. So there is something going on behind the scenes. Now we know Wentz didn't play well in week 18 and even, and you know, Zach Kiefer reported that even before the season, there were issues with Carson Wentz, um, leadership issues, accountability issues. Do I think we're sitting here saying that the Colts traded Wentz if they win that game in Jacksonville in week 18 and he plays pretty well and they go to the playoffs? Probably not. But the fact that they moved on so quickly after what essentially was one really bad game in the worst possible spot, of course, but he had one really bad game in a terrible spot. Then they trade him to Washington. I don't know how you can look at this from a fantasy perspective or an NFL perspective and sit there and think, you know what? Frank Wright couldn't get it done, but Ron Rivera will. And I have all the respect in the world for Ron Rivera, but I just don't see it from that angle. And as it comes to Terry McLaurin, yes, Carson Wentz is going to be more aggressive than Taylor Heineke. But here is the problem. Michael Pittman was basically the only viable wide receiver on the Colts. And, you know, he, he had a solid season. He had 1,082 yards on 88 catches, seven touchdowns, but he was far from a league winner. He was the wide receiver 30 in fantasy points per game at 13.9. Terry McLaurin was, 35, was 35th with 12.6. Here is the big problem. Since uh, his MVP-ish campaign in, uh, in 2017, 
and then a solid season in 2018, actually a very good season in 2018 statistically. Here are Carson Wentz's ranks per SIS over the last three seasons in on-target throw percentage from a clean pocket. 29th of 37 in 2019, 38th of 38 in 2020, and 30th of 37 in 2021. He is an inaccurate passer who makes bad decisions. Um, uh, Taylor Heineke was 35th of 37 last year in on-target throw percentage. So Wentz is a slight upgrade in that department, and I would slightly upgrade Taylor Heineke, but i got to be honest. I I mean, I, I just don't think that 27 – I don't even think 2018 Carson Wentz is coming back at this point. I think that guy's gone. I, I He's had trouble with accountability. This seemed like a panic move from the commanders to me. It, it broke right after um, it was either it was right after the Russell Wilson trade broke because we talked about Russell Wilson last last week and Wilson apparently it was a non-starter. He wasn't going to go to Washington, so Washington decided as opposed to getting in on the free agency with Mitchell Trubisky, who we'll talk about, um, we're just going to go get Carson Wentz, and it doesn't really move the needle for me on Washington, Ross. I I, I would say I think he's an upgrade on Heineke. But one that significantly moves the needle for Terry McLaurin, probably not so much. While we're on the commanders, I feel like we need to talk about this, Joe. J.D. McKissick. Yeah. I mean, we can get into other running back stuff later. I don't know, J.D., he's not a huge fantasy name. But it looked like him going to Buffalo would have an impact on Antonio Gibson in Washington in that role. But now he's back. Yeah, so let's talk. Um, yeah, he was going to go to Buffalo, but then Washington came back and matched the offer, and McKissick, as he is free to do, there's no two ways about that, decided that he was going to return to Washington. Now, people might just – guys have different priorities. He might like that locker room. He might, might like playing for Ron Rivera. That's entirely possible. But um, the, what this affects the most is is um, Antonio Gibson. McKissick missed six games in 2021 with concussion and neck issues. Gibson played in five of those six games, averaging 16.9 fantasy points per game without McKissick compared to 14.0 fantasy points per game with him. So that's a big uh, downgrade for Antonio Gibson with McKissick in the lineup. And keep in mind that Carson Wentz had fewer throws to running backs uh, uh, last year on more pass attempts than Taylor Heineke had. Heineke threw the ball to running backs on roughly 19.5% of his of his throws last year. Wentz was down at 17%. So now you have McKissick coming back on a team that's going to throw the ball to running backs less. Um, that's not good news for Antonio Gibson. No, it's not. Um, other quarterback news uh, while we're at it. Does Mitch Trubisky mean anything to you in Pittsburgh, Joe? Okay, so... You know, I think this is – I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he's an upgrade on the version of Ben Roethlisberger we saw last year. The problem is, from a fantasy perspective, is if we're analyzing this Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, because the Steelers – I mean, Ben Roethlisberger peppered Deontay Johnson with targets. He peppered Pat Fryermuth with targets. Not so much for Chase Claypool. Now – Mitchell Trubisky has coached some very good seasons out of Allen Robinson. That's not to say that Mitchell Trubisky can't get the ball to Deontay Johnson, but he kind of 
actually has a better arm than the version of Ben Roethlisberger we saw last year. I don't think anybody's going to say Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the guy who's going to unlock the full potential for Chase Claypool, but I still think Deontay Johnson can have a solid season. He's just probably still going to be in that fourth, fifth round range because I don't know how much he's going to get peppered with targets. Here is the thing that I do like for Pittsburgh, Najee Harris. First and foremost, well, I got to be honest with you. You're, you're an offensive line guy. I was surprised by the value, given the, the guard market that was out there, the value Pittsburgh got on James Daniels from the Bears. Given his age, his pedigree, he's very young. He's he's a multi-year starter. He's a good run blocker. I think they got him for around $8 million a year on a three-year deal. I thought that was a heck of a bargain for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think he's average. But you and know I, what? And I think that I I think that's kind of what he's not an above average player. So I think that's where the disconnect might be. Um, you know, I think Alex Kappa is probably average and he got closer to 10 million. I think mm-hmm. eight to ten is where the the guys that are that are young but solid starters are. I, I just many, don't think that they think he's any better than that. How many average offensive linemen did Pittsburgh have last year though? Yeah, so, not many. Yeah, so that's an upgrade. And then you 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 know what Matt Canada likes to do? He likes to stretch the defense. He likes to do the RPO stuff. Mitchell Trubisky adds an element of that to Pittsburgh's offense. I think you're going to see the design quarterback run game, and I really think it's going to open up a little bit more room for Najee Harris to run than he did last year. It might not be 100 catches for Deontay Johnson, but don't be surprised that this Steeler offense is more efficient and scores a little bit more than it did last year. I'm not trying to tell you Mitchell Trubisky is a top 20 NFL quarterback, but uh, the version of Ben Roethlisberger we saw last year certainly wasn't. I think Mitchell Trubisky could be an upgrade, and I expect Pittsburgh is going to run the ball a heck of a lot this year. That will be very interesting. It's uh, interesting to me. That DraftKings is a leading sportsbook app is here to help you and your friends get in the game with different ways to fund your DraftKings account. Did you know you can fund it with cash? Just sign up in the DraftKings sportsbook app, select fund with cash in the payment section and get a digital barcode. Then just take your cash and barcode to any one of their thousands of participating stores. Super easy. While you're there, why not pick up some DraftKings gift cards? Don't know what to get your buddy for his birthday? DraftKings gift card. Want to say thanks to the neighbor who helped you do whatever? I personally think it's the best Mother's Day and Father's Day present ever. Why not get your parents all in on betting on sports? Be a heck of a lot more fun to talk to them. I love my mom, but if my mom was betting on sports, that would be amazing. Just visit DraftKingsGiftCard.com to find a participating store near you. March is here. Get in the game with these two awesome, fun, and easy account funding options. It's funny, Joe. It's a tangled web we weave because it's almost like, I don't know how to ask you about this, Deshaun Watson. We don't know where he's going. We'll talk about that next week because I think it's coming to a head. But the Cleveland Browns met with him. Yeah. Which makes it seem like they're done with Baker Mayfield, which means what since they just traded for Amari Cooper? Yeah, and so this is, and it's not just speculation on Baker Mayfield. Uh, Ross, the guy put up an AOL uh, instant messenger away message last night 
Like, um, uh, is that before? Is that after your time, Ross? A AIM AOL Instant Messenger. Nope, that was right when I was in college. Actually, okay. So, did, did and I loved it. You know why? When my roommates would like leave their room, yeah, I would go on and chat with their girlfriends, and it was what? amazing. It was. I had a lot of fun doing that. Actually, what? did you use? Did you ever use any emo lyrics in your uh, away message? No. What did you listen to when you were in college? Not a band that I used to love putting Smashing Pumpkins lyrics in there. <laughs> I don't remember to be honest. With okay, you. yeah, I, that was a little a little Dave Matthews band too. I've seen I've seen them way more times than I'd like to admit. Um, anyway, uh, there was a, but Baker Mayfield put his AOL Instant Messenger away message out there, and he seems like he's expecting that the Browns are going to move on from him, and. Really, the Amari Cooper trade is really difficult to analyze without knowing who's going to be there. But first and foremost, the Browns are built on the ground game. Nick Chubb, over the last two seasons, Kevin Stefanski uh, has leaned heavily on that run. They finished 10th in run rate in neutral situations in 2020, and they were 5th last year. Dallas has been among the most pass-heavy teams in neutral situations last year. The Cowboys also played with much more pace than did the Browns. Dallas averaged 38 pass attempts per game uh, last year. That was sixth most. The Browns were tied with the Colts and Titans, who had Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor for seventh fewest at 31 attempts per game. Uh, Baker Mayfield, among the 37 quarterbacks to have at least 100 attempts from a clean pocket last season, he was seventh worst in passer rating, just above Sam Darnold. Um, just 71.2% of his clean pocket throws are on target. That was worse than Carson Wentz. It was ahead of only Justin Fields. Um, Baker Mayfield, though, was injured last year, and I think that's important that that needs to be said. But this is a downgrade in offense for Amari Cooper pretty much across the board. Now, if you want to look at this from a glass-half-full perspective, Amari Cooper is basically the only thing going right now in Cleveland. They cut Jarvis Landry. They uh, they are going to release Austin Hooper. They franchise David Njoku, which was a head-scratcher to me. It makes a little more sense now that they um, released Austin Hooper. Amari Cooper should be the first, second, and third read in the passing game in Cleveland right now. We just don't know who's going to be throwing him the football. Um, I would think Baker Mayfield, if, if he were to become available for trade, there will be teams interested in Baker Mayfield. There's no doubt about that. But if he goes in trade, who does Cleveland have at quarterback? So there's a lot of layers to this onion to unpeel. But it is, of course, a downgrade for Amari Cooper. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be at this point. But it could end up being a huge upgrade. There's going to be so many dominoes, I feel like, that fall after we finally get the Deshaun Watson news, some people might think some people think it might come down today. He's supposedly meeting with the Falcons. Sounds like maybe that's where he wants to go. Four um, teams, Ross, is the uh, official word I think that that most are reporting. What's that? The, the the four team the four teams yes. seem to be in the running. The three NFC South teams outside of Tampa, which they had a little bit of news this week, and uh, and Cleveland, which it doesn't seem to line up. With uh, with uh, Watson's, I guess, wants to be in the South. But, uh, I mean, who knows at this point? So, it is interesting. You're right. New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina. I think he wants to go back near Georgia, where he's from. Um, while we're on that, by the way, I almost forgot about Tom Brady. How about this? We're the first podcast ever to go almost 20 minutes and not mention that Tom Brady unretired. 
what do you what do you make of that, Joe? Obviously, it's great for it's the great. skill guys for the Bucks. They also brought in Russell Gage, which is a bit of a head scratcher to me with them franchise tagging Godwin for a second year and Mike Evans. Well, let's let's look at a couple of things. First and foremost, um, I am stunned. And then here's the Watson, the Watson deal. You, you can't talk about Watson without talking through the lens that he is accused by 22 women and is being sued by 22 women for alleged sexual assault. And he's likely going to be suspended. But if you're talking about Atlanta as one of the landing spots for Deshaun Watson, you're looking at a team that now without Russell Gage um, might have the worst roster in football. Like literally on offense, it's Kyle Pitts and their best receiver is Alameda Zacchaeus. Calvin Ridley is suspended. So Russell Gage moves on to Tampa Bay and you're you're 100% correct. This is good news across the board for Tampa skill position players. But with the Russell Gage signing, I think it is important. I don't know if this was speculation or informed or informed speculation. But Greg Allman of the Athletic came out today, and today is Wednesday, the 16th, and he said he wondered if the Buccaneers could make a move on Chris Godwin, who has a lot of potential suitors on the market, but the Buccaneers now can control if and when he gets traded somewhere. Of course, he's coming off the knee injury because they have him under the franchise tag. It is just, I don't know if he was speculating on that or if he got a little bit of a nugget that he was trying to throw out there. But just keep that in mind that it's not a guarantee, uh, 100% at least, that Chris Godman will be back in Tampa Bay, even though that is the overwhelming likelihood. Um, but let's get to Russell Gage. He's coming off of back-to-back seasons where he finished overall as a wide receiver four. But he saw his usage pick up significantly in the latter half of the 2021 season, uh, averaging 15.6 fantasy points per game and 8.5 targets per game, marks that would have been 13th and 14th best over the course of the full season. The volume boost did come without Calvin Ridley in the lineup, so he goes to a Buccaneers team that has far more weapons. But keep in mind, Antonio Brown, before he went blotto, was producing wide receiver one, wide receiver two numbers. And this is a really good player. Russell Gage's yards per out run of 1.96 last year suggests he's skilled enough to be worthy of at least wide receiver two volume. Um, And he'll be replacing Antonio Brown, who was position versatile. Well, so is Russell Gage. I think if you were to ask the average NFL fan, they'd call Russell Gage a slot receiver. He actually ran more routes outside than in the slot last year. They can move him around I'm actually really like this guy from a best ball perspective with Tom Brady throwing him the football. I'm willing to use a top 100 pick on Russell Gage. Um, In Atlanta, he would have gotten far more targets, far more looks, but he also would have gotten more attention. I think there's going to be higher quality looks for Russell Gage as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Got to be honest, this signing made a lot of sense for me when the Buccaneers made it. That's so interesting because my only thought was, how did the Falcons not bring him back? They don't have any receivers. And who's out there? I mean, Allen Robinson. What's going on with Robinson? It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. He's coming off a bad season. Did his tape Was his tape not good? Um, also, you have to look at the fact that I don't think we'll get to them. I don't know if we'll get to them maybe just briefly. The Jaguars might have broken the wide receiver market with their deals for Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, which were way more than I think people were, were getting to. I saw Jimmy Kempsky. Uh, a Philly voice point out that he thinks the Eagles made a very, what they thought to be a solid offer for Christian Kirk, but they weren't even going to get anywhere close to what the Jaguars offered. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess since you brought them up, let's talk about yeah. the Jaguars and I all mean, the skill guys they brought in. I remember a couple years ago being surprised how much money Robert Woods got from the Rams. Turns out the Rams knew a lot more than I did. Um, as he wasn't, he was a kind of an underwhelming, I mean, he was a good player, but he wasn't, he didn't, it wasn't the, the, the kind of play that I thought commanded the contract that he got from the Rams at the time. Um, I was surprised. He had not done enough in Buffalo. Yeah. He had not done enough of Buffalo to justify that. And of course the Rams obviously nailed that. They nailed the evaluation of the player and saw him as a good fit. The Zay Jones one is utterly baffling to me. I, I gotta be honest with you, Ross. I, I mean, Three years worth up to $30 million, $24 million is the base. I mean, this is a guy who has 1,884 receiving yards in five seasons, and he has two touchdowns total in the last three seasons. I mean, the Jaguars must be so freaking down on LaVisca Chenault that they decided they were going to spend money on anybody to upgrade that position. I mean... Cooper Cup and more receiving yards last season than Zay Jones has in his career. Now, I mean, Cooper Cup would have gotten nine figures on the open market, but I, this one really surprised me, the Zay Jones one. Christian Kirk, I'm probably, I'm surprised with how much he got, but I'm a little less surprised that somebody with his explosive talent was valued highly at his age. He's 26 on the open market. But still, here's a guy who has... 17 touchdowns in a four-year NFL career, and nine of those touchdowns have come in four games. So it's essentially he has a three-touchdown game. I think in 2019, all three touchdowns of his came in a single game, and he has three more two-touchdown games. So this is a guy who's been a splash player as opposed to a consistent threat in his career. He is being paid like a number one wide receiver. Now, last year, Christian Kirk did emerge as Arizona's number one wide receiver, once DeAndre Hopkins went down in week 14, and in his four games without Hopkins, Kirk averaged 16.3 fantasy points per game. That would have been 12th best in the NFL. The Jaguars better hope that he just needed a, a change of scenery. Trevor Lawrence better hope that he needed a change of scenery. Oh, by the way, they add Evan Ingram to this mess as well. There will be plenty of snaps for both Ingram and Dan Arnold, though, because as you well know, Doug Peterson loves 12 personnel more than I love my dogs. So, and that's, that's a lot. Uh, so uh, I, I did not want to say something like uh, my children because I don't have children. So yeah, he does, <laughs> love, he does love that. But uh, Doug Peterson loves him some 12 personnel. I think Ingram's going to be a big slot. This is a contract that to me suggests they're going to put Christian Kirk outside and he's been better as a slot receiver in his career. Very interesting. Um, I guess, the only like running back notes that we could dive into just to wrap things up, we can get into more stuff next week. Of course. Uh, it's really the Cardinals guys. It's I mean, James Connor is back. And how about chase, chase Edmonds, Joe being Mike McDaniels hot, you know, handpicked quarterback to be down yeah. there and uh, handpicked running back to be down there in mm -hmm. Miami. Yeah, that, that one's really interesting to me, um, what's going on there with uh, with Chase Edmonds. Um, let's look at the numbers that these two guys put up last year uh, in games in which uh, they did not have the, uh, the other in the game, okay? Let's start with James Conner because I think he'll be the higher-drafted guys for fantasy. Conner was one of the best value signings all last year for the Cardinals. Now he's on a three-year deal. Um he was fifth in total fantasy points, ninth in uh, fantasy points per game. 
But it's worth noting that in games without Chase Edmonds last year, James Conner averaged 23.1 fantasy points per game, and there were six of them, which included two finishes as the overall number one weekly running back. That average was higher than Jonathan Taylor put up for the full season. Um, I feel like that is potentially a trap. Um, but James Conner was excellent last year without Chase Edmonds. Meanwhile, Chase Edmonds averaged 19.9 fantasy points per game in two games without James Conner last season, so he can score big in spurts. I just think it's much more likely Miami adds somebody to compete with Edmonds than it is that Arizona is going to add somebody. I think Arizona will draft a back um, uh, to compete with James Conner. So James Conner is probably going to be drafted in the first three rounds for fantasy. I think it'll be a fifth, sixth round range for Chase Edmonds when all the dust settles. Um, I might be a little skeptical to buy in on both of those, but James Conner was a weak winner when Chase Edmonds was out last year, and it's hard to ignore that. Just keep in mind, you're going to have to take under on 18 touchdowns. That's not happening yet. Speaking of a little time to process, we'll have some time to process all these moves over the next week or so. Probably going to have to do another episode like this, Joe, next week because there's going to be more moves, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, Allen Robinson that we got to discuss next week just to make sure everybody's on top of things. Certainly there's some other DJ Chark to the Lions. I mean, there's other things we could get into. We'll save that for next week and really dive into the moves that we didn't touch on this week. The key is to check out Joe on social media at FG underscore Dolan. Me at Ross Tucker NFL, us at Ross Tucker Pod, or check out the show on YouTube. At a minimum, just subscribe so you can see the highlight videos of the other shows that you may or may not listen to or watch. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, one 800 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.